we're just going to begin to look a little bit at what some of those things might be that God's particularly been kind of doing. Uh, it's a very funny thing to try and put in a particular time, but in this generation, shall we say, in this, in this um, maybe let's say the last decade or so, just some of the things that we can observe happening in the world. Um, but my encouragement to each of us is I want all of us to really own this journey um, and if there are particular things that you have a real passion about coming to share with us, please do say that to me. Um, and I'd love us all to be kind of beginning to think, what are the things in, in my life, perhaps in my job, perhaps in the things that I have a particular interest in, where I can really see God doing something and I can see that that reveals something about what he's like that we see in the Bible um, and in the scriptures. And... I think that can really encourage us, but I also am passionate about this because I think it's one of the most amazing ways that we can uh, bring other people who wouldn't normally come to church into a relationship with God because they'll see these things happening anyway. And they're often happening in the media and TV and films or they're, they're, if it's something God's doing, people will be aware of it. But often the thing that's not happening is connecting the dots between this is what God's saying now and perhaps... Um, this is some of the trends that are happening in society or things that are going on. Does that make sense a little bit? Just, uh, we, yeah. Um, so that's just, uh, that's kind of this question. And the, the, the couple of other little examples which are really helpful is, um, uh, I think they're called the, well, I'll read the verse. It's from 1 Chronicles 12:32. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. And it's this idea of um, when we know the signs of the times and when we know things that are happening and what God's doing in that process, we can really position ourselves to actually partner with God as opposed to having that slightly more arrogant perspective of, we'll just keep doing what we've always done. And, you know, and... And it's just, uh, there's a real humility in it for me of observing. Um, and the third passage that I think really speaks about this is something Jesus did with his disciples where he said to them, look at the birds of the air. And then he said, look at the lilies of the field. And he got them to see in creation what his father was like because his father had revealed what he was like in the world around them. And so by getting them to start to see that in their everyday lives, suddenly they were continually being opened up to being taught by God in every moment of their life as opposed to being taught when they were looking at the Bible or when someone was speaking to them. And again, not to take anything away from either of those things, they're all incredible and they have their place, but how amazing is it when we know that the Holy Spirit can be revealing something to us about God and our walk with God just through what we're doing and through what's happening around us. So that's just a very little um, like intro, but I hope that's helpful. And we're going to, yeah, I think we're just going to increasingly start to kind of uh, start with a particular th thing or a theme and then begin to unpack that with, um, with the Bible. So today, um, this is more having said that a passage that I just feel is a really helpful one for us to be thinking about now uh, you can interpret this in whatever context and ways you want to because I think it probably does speak into things like what's just happened with the EU referendum and stuff like that but that I think um, just generally uh, it's really helpful for us to be hearing this um, passage so we're just um, Tanya's going to come and 
um, read this, and then I'm just going to unpack a little bit of some of what I think is really helpful in it. The mountain of fear and the mountain of joy. Sorry, guys, I was just handed a piece of paper. <laughs> Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 29. Okay, it's Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 29. The mountain of fear and the mountain of joy. You have not come to the mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they do not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what, you can be, what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that they cannot be shaken. What, so, sorry, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful, so, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God, for our God is all-consuming fire. Um, thank you so much. Um, so if you're to pick out, because it's quite a long passage, the one line that I'm really going to focus on is where it says, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Okay, So that's what we're going to focus on. The, the, the little, the, there's two paragraphs before that that basically gives this idea of the mountain of fear and the mountain of joy, and it kind of compares perhaps God's people's relationship with God under the old covenant, so what the Israelites knew, and under the new covenant that Jesus brokered with his blood. And it refers to the old one as the mountain of fear, so that's if you're looking at your Bibles, verses 18 to 21. And it talks about um, the sight being so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. And it talks about, um, you know, this mountain that was burning with fire and darkness. And um, essentially their relationship there in some ways was motivated by fear. And then from verse 22, it paints this amazing picture up till verse 24 of actually what it looks like for us to now approach God and what it looks like for us to approach this mountain of joy. It says, but you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, 
this is really cool. It says, you've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. So imagine a load of angels who are very, very full of joy, which in my experience often looks like, and I don't mean, I mean, I think we often think of joy. We don't know what it is, but I think a helpful picture is people laughing a lot and really full of like overflowing ecstasy, okay? Because of knowing who they are and who God is and the fact that he's got everything covered and it's amazing. That's just a let So we've got angels <laughs> in joyful assembly um, and it says to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So again it's just reminding them of the difference between what was and now what is. But the bit I really want us to focus on is this idea of God shaking everything that can be shaken until only what can't be shaken remains. And I think there's a really helpful kind of visual illustration of this. Um, Okay, if I hold on to this chair, and for illustration's sake, this chair is a pneumatic drill, okay? If I'm stood on like a rock and everything around me shaking because I'm on the rock, like I can stay still and steady whilst everything around is shaking. And that I think is the picture that this passage begins to paint about what it looks like for us to hold on to Jesus in the context of things around us that we thought were really stable suddenly not appearing to be that stable anymore. Does that, does that make sense? So we, we as humans, we all, we hold on to things and we gravitate to stuff that we think gives us safety. And again, we can interpret this in so many different ways. Um, and I think probably two or three that might be really helpful is we can very easily hold on to our possessions and finances as a means of security. And that might be the thing that, without really realizing, that's our rock. We think everything's going to be fine because I've got that. And, you know, that's going to keep me safe. But actually, this passage says everything that is created, everything that essentially isn't Jesus or hasn't always been there, is to some degree shakeable. And one day, God will shake all of those things, and the only thing that will remain is him. <laughs> and if we're holding on to him, then we won't be shaken. But if we're holding on to other stuff, however like reliable that may look at any one time, it will suddenly start shaking and will start shaking too. And um, this isn't supposed to be like a, <laughs> like a kind of a scary word. I think this is a really encouraging thing that God wants us to encourage us with, is that actually what does it look like for us to build our lives just holding on to Jesus? And... Um, I think in that it's really helpful to know that the, the, the Bible paints the picture of the word of God as being truth and having always existed before the foundations of the earth and then Jesus came and revealed what that truth was, who the word of God was and he essentially embodied that with his life 
And um, that, for me, is that that's this unshakable rock that he, you know, tells Peter that there's that image of Peter being the rock, but essentially it's because Peter would have such a foundation in Jesus that he would become this rock that that he says the gates of hell won't be able to destroy. And it's, again, this, this idea of just standing on something that is so sturdy that it can't be shaken. Um, and... Yeah, I I just think for for each of us, there will be things that we hold on to that without realizing it, they have become our, like, um, I guess, I'm trying to think of the best phrase to put it, but um, almost like our, our gravity point, you know, like something will fall back to, its place of belonging or where it came from. And actually, our place of belonging and where we came from is Jesus, because we knew him before the foundations of the earth. And as we come back to him, everything else around us slightly pales into insignificance because we know that we're safe in his arms where we always have been, and he's got us in every circumstance. And um, that's pretty much it. So I'd love us just to kind of ask God to really show us some of those things that we might hold on to that we think are unshakable, that are actually shakable. Um, And I also would love for us to hear this as a real permission to question some of the things that we might do as a church or as Christians that again, might be things that we've actually created that we think are Jesus, but perhaps aren't. (laughs) So that will look different for all of us. But I think when we get this, it's again a real tool to freedom to actually build something that has got scope to last the long run as opposed to just to last for 10 years or... um, for the time that we're in. So religion in a negative sense, what we can sometimes do is inherit traditions and just do them because that's what we've always done. I believe if we take our lead from Jesus and hold on to him, we can build something that isn't actually just been passed on by man, but it's actually built on Jesus and moves with him through the times and through the ages. So when David said he served God's purposes in his life, that talks of him building his life on that rock and holding on to Jesus because when he served God's purposes, he was holding on to Jesus. So, um, yeah, I just want to kind of throw that out and um, it'd be great for us just to, I think, just to spend a bit of time just now with God um, and just... If that's okay with everyone, we'll literally just have like just a couple of minutes of quiet and just reflect a bit and just ask God what he wants to show each of us and then we'll go from there. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to really personally reveal whatever it is you want to um, show each of us this evening that we're holding on to, that you want us to be able to let go of.